now, I'll tell you that. And, uh, but you know what? He didn't believe me, and uh, I didn't get by with it. Uh, and so I, I thank him uh, for calling me in the ministry. Like I say, I didn't answer it right away, uh, but uh, he persisted, and I submitted. And I'm glad for that. And then I appreciate Brother Craig asking me to fill in for him. Uh, he could got other fellows to come, I'm sure, but I appreciate him having confidence and allow me to fill his pulpit. And I don't uh, uh, treat it lightly. Uh, I know it's a privilege and an honor. And then I appreciate you coming. If you wasn't here, we wouldn't have nobody to preach to, you see. And so I do appreciate you coming this way. And I'm glad for the Lord. And uh, glad for his word. I'm glad he gave us his word. He, he didn't leave us in the dark, uh, but he told us what we need to know. And so if you have a copy of it and you want to turn with us, open the book of St. Luke chapter 7. St. Luke chapter 7. I'll read a couple verses. I know this is Father's Day, and we're going to try not to hold you too long. Uh, I don't want to be like that fellow I heard about got up and started preaching. He started over in Genesis. And he started with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and, and uh, he was going through all of them. And he'd been there about three and a half hours, and he'd come to Samuel, and he said, uh, well, we've come to Samuel. What are we going to do with him? And a fellow got up and said, he can have my seat. I'm going home. And I'm not going to preach in Samuel, so don't go home yet, okay? Uh, but uh, in uh, St. Luke chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 31, if you'd like to stand, uh, we invite you to to honor the reading of God's Word. If you're not able, that's fine. I understand. Uh, but Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 31, the Bible said, And the Lord said, Whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? bread nor drinking wine and ye say he hath a devil the son of man is come eating and drinking and ye say behold a gluttonous man and a wine bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners heavenly father we thank you for your word this morning and what it means to us lord we thank you that you didn't leave us in the dark but you told us all that we need to know thank you for that lord uh, thank you for preserving your word. Thank you, God, that you always honor your word. And, Lord, I pray now that you bless it. I know you will. You said it would not return void. But you said it would accomplish that for which it's sent. And thank you for that. Now I pray, too, Lord, be with this unworthy vessel. And, Lord, may we always honor you in all we do and say. And above all, God, I ask you for that unction. How can mortal man preach about an infinite God unless you help us? And I pray that you will. Have your way now, Lord. Bless this service. Bless each one that's come this way. And thank you, uh, Father, for being the greatest father of all. And thank you, Lord, for each one of us, for the dads that you gave us. Uh, we thank you for that. Now have your way. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus here. Now, if you go back a few verses uh, in this chapter, you'll find where John the Baptist, he's in prison. Now, keep in mind, he baptized Jesus. Uh, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. 
that taketh away the sin of the world. And, uh, but this had been three years or so prior to this, and uh, we have no record where John and Christ ever crossed paths again after John baptized him. And, uh, and so here John, uh, uh, you see, he's, been, he's in prison. I'm not sure just exactly how long he'd been there, uh, but uh, he hears about this man that's doing these miracles and, and uh, all that's going on, and so he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus and says to him, uh, are ye the he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus, he's preaching to uh, the common people here. He does miracles. And so rather than answer yea or nay, he said, go back and tell John what you've seen. The poor has the gospel preached to them. Uh, the blinded eyes is open. The lame walks. And uh, the dead are raised. And go back and tell John this. And so they leave. And so after that, Jesus begins to talk about John. And what a great man John was. And then he looks at those Pharisees that are gathered around. Uh, the skeptical bunch, you see, that he runs into all the time. And he says... Uh, what shall I liken this generation or how should I liken uh, these men today? And he said, I'll tell you what, they're like children. He said, they're like children that's in the marketplace and said they, uh, they play uh, lively music and uh, they uh, yell at some other friends that are there and they say, we played lively music like when we went to uh, 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 weddings with our parents and they've uh, been uh, happy and jubilant and they've danced and laughed and had a good time. But said, we've done that and you've not done anything. Uh, said, we also played mournful music uh, when we've been to funerals with our parents uh, where they wept over the one that's lost, uh, uh, that's uh, lost from the family and uh, said, you've not wept. Uh, when we played that music and said, you just, we just can't please you. No matter what we do, uh, they just know pleasing you. And so Jesus looked at those Pharisees and in essence he said, ain't no pleasing you either. He said, John the Baptist come and he was kind of a separate guy. He didn't uh, fall in and uh, go to the dinners with the lost and all like that. And, and uh, he was separate. He wore, uh, you know, camel's hair and all like this. And uh, uh, said, y'all said he had a devil. Said, I come, the Son of Man came, and said, I went and eat with the sinners and all like that, eating drunk. Now, he's not talking about getting drunk, and he's not talking about, uh, you know, being a glutton. And he said, but you say he's, uh, that I'm a glutton and a friend of sinners, and he said, there's just no pleasing you. But, you know, that accusation they made against him, he's a friend of sinners. You know what? That's been music to the ear of many of Adam's race down through uh, time, you see. You, you see, sinners, uh, helpless, condemned, lost sinners, they need a friend. They need a friend. And hey, I'm here to say, he's always showed himself to be a friend. Uh, he's been a friend to me these 56 years uh, since I trusted him as my Savior. He's been a friend to me, you see. Uh, the Bible says over... Proverbs 8 and 24, uh, said he's a friend that loveth at all times. Guess what he does? No matter when I fail him or how uh, uh, I neglect to do what I ought to do or whatever, he still loves me. 
He's never quit loving me, you see. And so he is a friend that loveth at all times. And then the Bible says in uh, uh, Proverbs 17, 17, uh, that there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And hey, I want to say, he's always been there. He's never forsaken me. Even when I've not been there for him, he's been there for me, you see. And so I'm glad for this friend. And I want to think about that for just a few minutes this morning. Uh, Jesus, the friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. First of all, Jesus was a friend of sinners uh, in his lineage, you see. And uh, uh, for example, you see the incarnation of Christ was designed... By the Godhead. Uh, the Bible says in Galatians 4 4, uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them which were under the law. And so you see, uh, God, Jesus chose his family. Now you and I didn't get a choice in that, you see. Uh, before I got born, they, nobody asked me, you want to be born in the McClure family? And you see, uh, now I'm not complaining, don't get me wrong. Uh, I love my mom and dad. They were good, and I appreciate them, and I don't think I could have had any better. And uh, I appreciate everything they've done for me down through the years. Uh, but uh, uh, the, ba- the bottom line is nobody asked me. And after I got here, nobody asked me, hey, you satisfied? You want to trade? You see? I didn't have no choice in it at all. Uh, in, in fact, I don't remember getting born. I know it was because I'm here, you see. And, uh, but uh, the bottom line is I had no choice and you had no choice, but Jesus did. In fact, the Bible speaks, my friends, that Christ, he sometimes spoke of himself that he was the son of David and also spoke of himself as a son of Abraham. Wow, who wouldn't want to be the son of Abraham and the son of David? But now wait a minute, stop and think. Abraham was, uh, the Bible speaks of him, been a friend of God. Uh, when God said, once you leave your land, go where I'll show you, Abraham obeyed. But now wait a minute. Uh, Abraham and Sarah lost some faith at one time, didn't they? And they said, we've got to help God out, bring the heir, and look what a mess that has called, you see. And you think about David. Uh, David, my friends, had an adulterous affair with a married woman, got her pregnant, and in order to cover it up, wound up having her husband killed. But the bottom line is, you see, uh, Jesus didn't have much to choose from because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so irregardless of the lineage that Christ had chosen, it had to come through sinners, you see. And that's why God supernaturally, miraculously placed that seed in Mary's womb so that he would be a sinless, perfect sacrifice. But, my friends, Jesus... in Jerusalem. Uh, surely he be born some stately mansion, uh, you see. In fact, the wise men from the east, they probably came from an area near Babylon or sometime had passed through there and probably had got 
copies of the book of Daniel and they'd studied it and knew that uh, uh, a great Messiah was coming. Uh, the king of Israel was coming. And so when they saw that star in the sky, uh, they knew, hey, this is it. And where did they go to look for this one that was to be born, king of kings? They went to Jerusalem. Uh, they went to the palace of the king. And they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And boy, you see, that knocked old Herod's socks off, didn't he? I mean, uh, he wouldn't expect, now, who's this king of the Jews? I'm the king, and who's this going to compete with me? And so he inquired, and they said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And, uh, and so he sent the wise men there, said, when you find him, uh, come back and find me and let me know. But wait a minute, they was probably uh, uh, more than a year late in getting there, you see, and Christ had already been born. And so if you go to the book of Luke, you'll find the scripture says... Uh, that when uh, her time came for her to be delivered, that she brought forth her firstborn son, and what? Wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Uh, listen, that's not purple and fine linen. You see, that was just old rags. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him where? In a manger either a wooden box or a place hewed out in the stone where they put hay for animals. So where would that be? It'd have to be in a barn or a stable or something like that, you see. And so uh, Jesus chose not to come with a silver spoon in his mouth, as the old saying is, but he chose, my friends, to lay in a manger. You see, he chose to come in the midst of all this problems and trouble. And see, when you and I go through problems and trouble and we face something, uh, you see, sometimes we look at Washington, D.C. Man, what a mess. Uh, but uh, we look at Washington, D.C. and we see and we say they don't understand what we're going through, you see. Uh, they're up there living the big life and uh, all like that. And so they don't understand that, hey, you can't look to that throne in heaven and say he don't understand because he does. Uh, the Bible says, uh, for he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because he's a friend of sinners. You see, he understands. He was a friend in his lineage. He was a friend in his birth. And then, not only that, number three, he was a friend in his ministry. Now, uh, you know, the more important individual he is today's society, the less accessible he is. For example, uh, how many of you feel like you could leave right now, drive to Charleston? go up to the governor's mansion and knock on the door and get a meeting, be able to visit with the governor. Now, I'm not being critical, you see. I realize that they've got to make themselves less available uh, because of their position. And how many uh, of you think you can go to Washington, D.C.? What is it, uh, 1800 Pennsylvania Avenue? And uh, you wouldn't even get to the door to knock to, uh, to be able to see the president. You see, I guess weekend you wouldn't even find him there. You'd have to go to Delaware, wouldn't you? Uh, but uh, anyhow, uh, what I'm saying is uh, 
important people are not accessible, but Jesus always made himself accessible. He said over there in Matthew 11 and 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Uh, and so Jesus always made himself accessible. Uh, when Matthew, for example, uh, Jesus, uh, Matthew was a tax collector, and uh, the Jews didn't like tax collectors. Yeah. I don't care much for me either, by the way. And uh, if you work for the IRS, I'm sorry. Uh, but anyhow, uh, Matthew was a tax collector, and Jesus passed by one day, and he said to him, follow me. And so Matthew left the receipt of... In other words, he quit his job. And he left, and uh, the next few verses says uh, that he made a great dinner and invited all these other publicans, you see. And uh, uh, I, I'm kind of imagining now, I'm using my sanctified imagination, if you will. I, I sort of imagine that uh, after Matthew, uh, the Lord called him into the ministry, changed his life, uh, Matthew said, boy, I want my tax collector friends to meet this friend of sinners. And so he has a big dinner, and he invites all of these tax collector friends to come, and Jesus goes home with Matthew uh, to have dinner and meet all of these friends, you see. And you know what the Pharisee said about him? This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Uh, and aren't you glad he received sinners, you see? And, but Jesus always made himself accessible. One other time the Bible talks about <clears throat> there was a Pharisee named Simon. And uh, so he made a dinner and he invited Jesus uh, to come to that dinner. And so Jesus comes. And uh, they have dinner ready. Now keep in mind in those days they didn't sit at a table in a chair and uh, slide up under the, uh, their knees up under the table like we do today, you see. Their tables was down uh, almost on the ground, and they had like pads all around the table, and a person would, uh, that was eaten would lay down, actually recline, uh, put his head on his left elbow like this, his feet would be back away from the table, and he would get his food, you see, and eat like that. And so here they are, all around the table, uh, they're beginning to eat, when all of a sudden, you see, the scripture said there was a woman, a sinner. And I imagine from the way the, the scripture's speaking and the way Simon's attitude towards her was, she was probably a, an, a prostitute there in the city. And so somehow or another, she maybe slips in when the servants are busy serving, and she, I, I can almost picture her, she sort of makes her way along the wall. And she's looking over all the guests here at the table. She's trying to be as inconspicuous as she can. Uh, probably stays against the wall where she'd be less noticed. And she eases into the room. And she's looking over the crowd. Hey, who are you looking for? I'm looking for that friend of sinners. You see? And she's looking for, she's heard about this man that's a friend of sinners. She's heard about this man that receives sinners, you see, and will forgive them. And so she looks around and she finally sees him and she makes her way over to where he's at. 
Uh, but she gets down on her knees at his feet and begins to weep. And the Bible says she literally washed his feet with her tears. And then she took her hair and dried his feet. And then she had some ointment and she poured it on his feet and kissed his feet. And Simon, that Pharisee, he's watching this. He sees what's going on. And so Simon thinks to himself, why, this man ain't no prophet. Why, a prophet wouldn't let a woman like that close to him and surely wouldn't let uh, her kiss his feet like this woman's doing. And Jesus perceived what he was thinking, you see. Now, let me suggest What if she fell down at his feet and wept and began to wash his feet? And uh, what if she just said, Simon, I know you're a Pharisee. You're knowledgeable in the law. And Simon, is there any hope for somebody like me in the law? Uh, can I find any uh, forgiveness and mercy and grace in the law? You know what? My friends, I imagine old Simon, I can just picture He'd have kicked her back, would he not? Uh, kicked her away from him and said, Get away from me, uh, you sinner woman. He'd have said probably to the servants, Hey, throw her out. What are you doing letting this riffraff in my house? Throw her out. But Jesus, my friends, he perceived what Simon was saying. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I've got a little story I'd like to tell you. Okay, go ahead. He said there was a certain creditor had two debtors. Uh, one of them owed him 50 pence, and one of them owed him 500 pence, 10 times, you see. And he said that neither one of them had the wherewithal to be able to pay. They uh, was out of work, didn't have nobody, couldn't pay. And Jesus said the man just forgave them both, simply forgave them both. And Jesus said, Simon, who would love him the most? And Simon said, well, I guess the one that... Uh, owed him the most, that was forgiven the most. And Jesus said, you said, well, Simon. He said, you see this woman here? He said, when I come into your house, you didn't give me no water to wash my feet. You see, that was standard uh, protocol uh, for being a good uh, uh, host, you see. Uh, you would provide water because, see, they wore sandals. The roads were dirt. And so their feet would get all dusty. And, and so when they'd come in the house, they'd like to wash their feet, you know, where they'd be clean and then they'd uh, feel better. And so Jesus said, Simon, uh, when I came in, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. But said, this woman's washed my feet with her tears. Said, Simon, when I came in, you didn't give me no oil to anoint my hair. But he said, this woman has anointed my feet. And said, Simon, when I came into your house... You didn't give me a kiss of welcome. But said, this woman's continually been kissing my feet. And said, her sins that are many are forgiven. Amen. Simon thought to himself, the Bible said, why, who can forgive sin? Only God. And you know what? Simon was right. Only God can forgive sin. But where Simon was wrong was this is God. He didn't notice who he was. He didn't recognize him, you see, for who he was because of the hardness of his heart. Uh, but Jesus looked at that woman and said, Woman, uh, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace.
going. Oh, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying he was a friend of sinners. I remember 56 years ago when I came down to an altar of prayer and I said, God, I'm a sinner. I, need, I deserve to go to hell because I've sinned. And that's what the Bible says. Uh, uh, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, the first and the second death, you see. And uh, I said, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'd even call on you. But would you forgive me and save me? Guess what? I found him to be a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners, you see. And so, hurriedly, he was a friend of sinners, my friend. In his lineage, in his birth, in his ministry, he was a friend of sinners. Let me hurry. Number three, or four, he's a friend of sinners in his work now. You see, uh, you see, uh, uh, well, first let me put this in there. He's a friend of sinners uh, in his death. Uh, you see, Jesus died with sinners. Uh, the Bible says that there was two malefactors, uh, one on either side that was crucified when he was crucified. Now, uh, one scripture says they were thieves, but they were more than that. The Bible makes it clear they were guilty of murder and sedition. And so, here Jesus uh, was crucified, one on one side and one on the other. And when Jesus was hanging there, the Bible said uh, that the Pharisees and the priests, uh, they made fun of him. And they said, if thou be the Son of God, uh, come down from the cross and we'll believe you. Now let me say, he could have. It would have been nothing. Jesus could have, for example, just pulled his hands and then nails would have let go and uh, wouldn't even bled a bit. Uh, he could have pulled his hands through the nails, pulled his feet through the nails, stepped out there in midair, right? floated above the sky. Yeah. He could have said, all right, here I am. Do you believe me? And he probably would, you see. Yeah. But wait a minute, you and I have been lost. That's right. Amen. We have no saved. That wouldn't have saved us, you see. Right. Uh, the hardest thing for him to do was stay on the cross. Right. And he did. Right. He did, you see. And uh, then the Bible says... Uh, uh, that uh, they said he saved others, himself he cannot save. And that was true too. Because he didn't save himself, he made it possible that he'd save whosoever will. And so as he, Jesus is hanging there on the cross, uh, these two thieves, began, uh, malefactors, begin to make, uh, begin to also say, hey, if you're the Son of God, come down from the cross and take us with you, you see. And uh, uh, they continued that until Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That prayer had an effect on one of them. And as the other one continued to mock Jesus and make fun of him, uh, the, the one said to the other, Dost thou not fear God, seeing that we're in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. What he was saying is, hey buddy, you and I are getting what we deserve. Uh, we broke the law, we've been caught, and now we're being punished, and this is exactly what we deserve. But he said, this man's not done anything wrong. And he looks over at Jesus and he said, Lord... Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Time out. Hold on a minute. Who do you think you are? Why, you don't have nothing to offer Jesus whatsoever. I mean, hey, 
This man couldn't say, Lord, uh, if you'll save me, in the first place, I won't give you a tenth of what I have. I'll give you 50%. He don't have nothing. He's hanging there on a cross naked. He has absolutely nothing to offer Christ at all. He couldn't say, Lord, if you'll save me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Hey, he's only got three, four hours left. That's it. And he's going to be dead. Should we go have anything? He has absolutely nothing to offer God whatsoever. But you know what? God don't save us based on our promise to Him. He saves us based on His promise to us. He says, whosoever will, call upon Him, shall be saved. And so the one thief says uh, to Jesus, Lord, remember me when Thou comest into Thy kingdom. Jesus said, I'll do better than that. I'll just take you this uh, what are you saying? I'm saying he's a friend of sinners. Even in his death, he died with sinners, but he also died for sinners. The Bible says uh, over there in uh, 2 uh, uh, Corinthians 5 and 21, for he, speaking about God the Father, hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Bible said in Galatians 3.13, For Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, let me say, my friends, uh, those of us that are saved, that are going to heaven, God's not going to one day open the back door and uh, turn His head and let some of us slip in. No. My friends, salvation's based on a finished work. You see, the Bible said the wages of sin is death. And what did Christ do on the cross? He died. He died. He paid the debt totally and completely. Uh, If I went to hell, I'd be separated from God forever. And on the cross, for the first time in all of eternity, He was separated from God the Father. And He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know why? Because he had to pay that total debt. That total debt. And he paid it. He paid it, you see. He died for sinners. He offered a perfect sacrifice. You say, how do we know that God accepted that sacrifice? I know how. He raised him from the dead. He showed us beyond any shadow of a doubt uh, that he accepted fully and totally and completely the price that Jesus paid And so, my friends, not only was he a friend of sinners in his lineage, in his birth, in his ministry, but in his death. He died with sinners, and he died for sinners. You see, and uh, uh, I think it was Peter said over there in uh, 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as of silver and gold from your vain conversation from traditions and your father, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, friends, uh, you and I could not be redeemed with gold and silver and gems. It took the blood, the perfect blood of Jesus, and He willingly shed it. He said, I laid down my life, but He said, I'm going to take it up again. He said, this promise have I received from my Father. And so... He was a friend of sinners in his life, in his death, 
how about then closing, he's a friend of sinners now. As our advocate, you see. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 8.34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, who is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Oh, we've got a high priest, you see. Uh, hey, I've got a friend in high places this morning, you see. Uh, and he's, he's my intercessor. He's my high priest, you see. Uh, the Bible says over there in 1 Timothy 2 and 4, who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I don't care... Who else in this world tries to set themselves up as a mediator? There's only one. The Bible makes it clear. The Bible makes it clear. It's Jesus, my friend. He's our mediator. And He's the only one. Uh, but He's a perfect mediator. And, uh, and then the Bible says there in Hebrews uh, 4, 15, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Now, all of us, my friend, uh, we're Christians, we're saved, we're going to heaven, but we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Uh, we still, uh, I've said before, maybe I said it here, uh, the only person that can honestly say he lives above sin is the guy that's got apartment over a beer joint. And he can say, I live above sin. And that's, I mean, we're all sinners, you see. Uh, and we still sin because we're in this flesh. I don't like to, and I don't want to, but you see, I still do. And guess what happens? When I sin, uh, there's a one that uh, is the accuser of the brethren. And you know who he is, don't you? Uh, Satan, the devil. Uh, he's the accuser of the brethren. And let me say this. You don't have to make up we give him plenty of ammo, don't we? Uh, and so uh, I say something or do something or think, uh, say something, do something that I shouldn't do, and guess what? He immediately goes up to God and he says, Hey, did you see what Dwight did down there? And God said, Yeah, I did. Uh, do you approve of that? No, I don't approve of that. Are you going to uh, uh, charge that? You're going to write that down? Yeah, I'm going to write that down. And so he looks over to Angel and said, I want you to write that sin down. And so the angel takes that pen and writes that sin down. And the devil comes over and peeps over his shoulder and he says, No fair! No fair! No, that's not fair! And God says, Why? Did he not write it down? Yeah, he did. Uh, was he not accurate in what he put in there? Yeah, he did. But he put it on Jesus' account. Well, I'm his. He's my advocate, you see. Uh, it's charged to his account. All my sins, my friends, he's already paid for them all. Uh, past, present, and future. Uh, you say, how could Jesus uh, die for your sins future? All my sins are future when he died for me. You see, I ain't that old. I might look it, but I ain't that old, you see. Uh, but uh, he's that perfect sacrifice, you see. He's a friend of sinners even in his work as advocate. I'm glad he's a friend of sinners. And hey, if you don't know him as your Savior, if he's not your friend, why, well, I'd love to introduce him to you. He's a friend. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege and opportunity to be able to come this way this morning 
Thank you, Lord, that you are a friend of sinners. And, uh, Lord, that you love us and you paid that debt for us. And then you continue that work uh, as our advocate. And we thank you for that. We pray now, Lord, bless this church. Uh, Bless Pastor Craig. Just use him in a special way. Keep him safe as they travel home tomorrow. And just bless the church. They might grow and prosper. Uh, And, Lord, just use each one of us for your honor and glory. And then, God, I pray, bless all the fathers today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the gift of our children, uh, that you've blessed many of us with children and the privilege and opportunity uh, to be able to teach them and train them and to rear them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And help us, Lord, as we continue that work. May we always be a blessing to them as they are a blessing to us as well. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.